Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Bryson Wright and Alex Winton. They got next, so let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Winton. And this week, we're getting to a few more of the questions that people were asking uh, last week. And the biggest question that I saw uh, just, which I don't even know if I should just give credit to one person for it. I know Parker was the first person I saw that did it. Uh, our guy, Caden, uh, Emmy Vuitton on Twitter. Also, he was one of the guys that were asking it. But there's a lot of people that asked it, which was, who will be the Grizzlies' next small forward? As we know, it's not going to be Dylan Brooks as the starting small forward. And the way that we're going to break this down, because I know we said a couple weeks ago we were going to come back and we were just going to go through like all the different people that it really could be. Uh, there's going to be some guys that are like unlikely, some that are more likely than others, uh, some guys that are free agents, some guys, m- most people you, you'd have to trade for. There's not a l- lot of super great free agents. Uh, most of the guys are guys you'd have to trade for, but we're going to start with the external candidates and then we're going to move on because another one of the questions that we got was about the young guys, whether that's Zaire, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, and kind of their development. And maybe if they're one of the ways that they can supplement like the wing position and the three position going forward. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So Alex, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you go ahead and go and you can start with whoever you want to start with and we can kind of just go from there. Okay. I mean I got listen, I'll start it off. But um yeah, I'm trying to think of like with the Grizz, they got a few options. Like I'm not gonna say it's like a plethora of options because it's really not crazy. I mean, there's like realistic because there's realistic options and there's options that you hope that could happen, but it's like a dream. Then you got the lower tier, like it's a lot of different things they could do. Because like people like for example like I'm I'm this is not a realistic option but like the people think keep seeing like Macau and names like that or like a star wing like I don't see that because I don't think they'll give up that much but then also I don't think they just will get like a bad player either like it'll be somewhere in the middle but I mean I guess you could start off I mean the clear name we've all been talking about for months I mean Gris has talked about for months I mean she, I've talked about it for months it's OG and Anobi obviously um, from Toronto. Um, I mean, I think he fits obviously the timeline perfectly. I think he's like 26, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look at real quick. I think he's like 26. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's about to be 26 in July. Well, so he'll, he'll be 26 by next season. Yeah, so 26 by next season. Um, and if you sign him with with the Grizz, because he will be a free agent uh, going into the next year or the next offseason, I mean, you'd be able to have a guy that could add to your core. Also, he's an all-defensive guy. Um, so, and he can guard basically one through four, occasionally five. He knocks down open shots. He's been a 40% three-point shooter um, before um, at certain stretches. Um, I think he is 40% on catch and shoots. Um, and then on top of that, again, he actually rebounds the ball well for his position. Not saying he's going to get you like 10 rebounds a night, but compared to what you had at Dylan Brooks, where I think he Dylan Brooks only averages like three. I think OG averages like six um, occasionally. Um, and can have games where he gets you eight or nine, like like Andrew Wiggins did um, the past couple of years ago Golden State. Um, so I think OG Ananobi is obviously a, a, a choice. But again, the Grizz want OG Ananobi. Everybody else wants OG Ananobi. So it's going to be on one, is the Grizz going to have the assets that 
appeal to Toronto if they were to even go in that direction because Masai Ujiri loves to want to trade these players or want or wants the his return that he wants on these players is superstar level. And no disrespect Definitely. to OG Ananobi. Yeah, no disrespect to OG Ananobi or Fred Van Fleet or Pascal Siakam. They're not superstar players. No disrespect. Like they're good players, but they're not what you would give up five first round picks and like two, like, you know what I mean? Like two young players. Like you're not doing that. Um so and nobody's really gonna do that. And if they do, then hey, just salute to them. But I don't think the Grizz will do that. And so, and then on top of that, they got to look because I'm pretty sure, again, the Grizz won't be the only people offering for OG and OB. Like, he'll, they'll probably, like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of teams that want them. Golden State probably want them. New Orleans will probably want them. Like, there's a lot of teams that would love to have OG and OB on their team because they don't just, you know, grow on trees. So, it really just depends on what that offer would be. Um, like, what the Grizz put in the offer, personally, I think they would have to probably put two or three picks and then one of those picks probably being the Golden State pick. So they would have to do just to even like get their foot in the door to entertain them because then they probably have to give up a young player too. And then obviously like another player probably, which we've thrown his name out there a bunch of times and ties because you're going to have to make money match. So, but yeah, no, OG and Nobi obviously the first guy that uh, comes to mind because he literally fits everything that you need because he would literally be clear, no doubt, in my opinion, your fourth best player. And you would know who your four best players are, similar to what the Nuggets have, and you just build around them. And that would make, you know, your margin of error for certain things, um, you know, certain situations that you run into a game much more bigger. So, um, yeah, OG and OB would be great if Toronto's willing to rebuild or if they are going to rebuild. Yeah, and I think that's really the big question is, is Toronto actually going to accept anything? Because we know at the trade deadline, there's a lot of people that offered stuff for OG and OB, including the Grizzlies. We're one of those teams. And, I mean, <laughs> it – you know, trades have to go both ways. So there's a lot of people that I see that will throw these like trade proposals out there and they're great. And, you know, maybe it'll work for the Grizzlies. But you also have to keep in mind that the Raptors are going to have to accept it. And the Raptors have been very reluctant to do that. So, I mean, but if you look at just talking about OG and Anobi, I think the reason why so many people think that he's like the guy to go get is because, you know, that with Dylan, like, a lot of people talk about him now that he's gone and all that, but you know that you have to replace him on the defensive end. Like, I think that's the big thing is you have to have somebody that is versatile on the defensive end if you're talking about somebody who can replace what Dylan brought. This is another guy who is also a second-team all-defender this year, and then we've also seen him be better as a catch-and-shoot player because obviously that's what the coaching staff needs and what the kind of scheme that Taylor Jenkins has been running. They need a guy that's more catch and shoot unless they need the ball in their hands to really make things happen. I think that's really the issue that came up with Dylan Brooks. I mean, he talked about it too. He felt like he needed to be able to create more to be more effective. And the Grizzlies just didn't need that. Now, OJ Ananobi, he's a guy who can create at times, and I think that's also important because he could be somebody that stays in with some bench units and then kind of moves up uh, kind of in the pecking order. I know, like, he's the fourth best player, but maybe he comes in with the young guys and he kind of provides more stability uh, to some of these bench players too. So I think that's something that could be good for, could be good for the team as well. Uh, but I really do think that he, he's a good candidate, and – I think that he's one of the guys that the Grizzlies are going to be looking at. Uh, obviously, they're going to look at Mikhail too, 
Macau is not getting traded, though. I know we talked about it on here, how awesome it would be if he was, but the Nets have already basically come out and said that they're not trading him. And if they did want, if they did want to trade him, I don't know what the assets would look like and how much they would want for him, but it would probably be an overpay too. So it is, and a lot of these, it might be difficult to kind of bring some of these people in. Uh, but another guy that I did want to talk about, because I know this is a big guy for you too, that you, you like this dude is Dorian Finney-Smith. And I think the biggest thing for Dorian Finney-Smith is we've seen him, like I've seen him do it in the playoffs and like in the playoffs on that run where he played great defense and I think he shot like 42, 43% from three on a team that went through to the Western Conference Finals. And a lot of that was catch and shoot. And he he's he's get he would get a lot of the same kind of opportunities. Like John and Luca are different players, but they both create a lot of pressure, like and they both drive the ball a good amount and and put pressure on the defense, and that creates open threes. And Dorian Finney-Smith thrived when he was in Dallas and that was happening. And I think he's going to get a lot of the same kind of open looks. Uh, I know he was inconsistent at times, and I think that was kind of one of the issues is his shooting has been inconsistent at times. But in in that playoff run, it was really good. And I think that's really the most important thing is they need guys who have played in these big series and showed up. And he's done that before. And – he did it on the team that went to the Western Conference Finals, so I think that that's I think that's something worth noting. And I think that if you're just talking about a guy that can come in, play good defense, and basically be like the fourth or fifth option, basically on offense, I think he'd be a good candidate. And I think he could fit he could fit with the rest of this team. And similar to OG. I mean, he's he's a little bit older, so it's a little bit different because I think he's already like thirty. But yeah, not like yeah. he's not like he's gonna retire, you know, in like two or three years. Like he he's a little bit older, but I think that this is a dude that you could have on the team for at least three or four more years if you did get him. Uh, and then I guess it it would just see it would just matter, kind of like where the team goes in a couple years if he is still as good as he is now. Uh, so that's that's one thing that I would look at for him is maybe he's a little bit older. But I know we're going to talk about it later is that maybe they need somebody who's a little bit older. And maybe that's something that could be good for him. So uh, just a guy that has that, that same experience, I think that'll help him a lot. Yeah. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith is somebody I said for a while, one of the groups. I think I, it was this past – it might have been this past season because I follow uh, a Dallas fan. Uh, shout out to SJ. I was joking on her because she loved Dorian Finney-Smith on Dallas. Like, she was a big fan of, like – because he's, like, a top-tier role player. Like, he knows his role. He doesn't ask for more shots than he needs to. He plays off the stars. Like, he, he buys into what he does, and he does it well. Um, and so, like, the only thing, like you said, in terms of, like, the maybe the thing you were pointing at is age and the shooting inconsistency. I will say in the Brooklyn stint that he had this year, he only shot 30% from three. But once – I realized, which I looked at it, uh, he had surgery on his, I think his one of his fingers, like on his shooting hand. It made a lot more sense as to why his shooting kind of was very up and down, especially in Brooklyn. Um, so I'm not too concerned because when you go, when you take out the Brooklyn stint and look at the 40 games he played with Dallas during the season, and then obviously the last couple of years, he's basically at 40% from three. Um, and then not, that's not even to mention that, again, he'll give you a good, you know, good amount of rebounds too at times there's a couple of games where he'll get you like eight to nine rebounds 
And not only that, he can switch one through basically three or four, I would say. Like, he can play four in small ball lineups. So you could play a lineup where if you did have Dorian Finney-Smith, you could play probably a job, Bain, Luke, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Jaron lineup, and you wouldn't really lose too much. I mean, so, you know, um, I think um, Dorian Finney-Smith. Also, like you said, he's a little bit older, which I think get – I wouldn't say he's the best of both worlds, but it could be a positive because he, he would, like we're talking about, we'll, we'll talk about later, he would be, quote, unquote, a vet in a way. I mean, even though he's only played, I think, was it six or seven seasons, like seven seasons. Still, that's I, at this point now in the NBA, that's like a vet. Like you're like season season six, you're probably around. A, that's you're a veteran, at least in my eyes, for the most part. So, um, and again, he's played in, like you said, the playoff resume. What really impresses me a lot is like he's every playoff for the most part, he's been really good, like really solid, like, and that's what you need, like. Especially when you when you already got your stars, like that's the thing with the Grizz. They already got their star guys for the most part. Like they got their three star guys they're building around. Now it's about building around them. So if you can find pieces like Dorian Finney Smith who can help in that, that'd be great. Because like you said, if he gets older, you know, this is the positive about Dorian Finney Smith. You probably won't have to give up that much to get him. Like you have to give up for OG, um, or like a McCall if that was possible. But like just those bigger names, you wouldn't have to give up that much. So you could get which we'll talk about later, young guys like Zaire, um, Jake, um, Roddy, you can keep them. And then if one of them continues to develop, while he gets older, you can just move him to the bench and then move one of those guys up if, the in theory, in theory, if that, you know, were the case. So, you know, you would basically get the best of both worlds in that sense. Um, so, um, yeah, no, Dorian Finney-Smith is a really good player. I, I've been a fan of him. I would love him on the Grizzlies. Um, obviously, that's not the first option. In terms of like who I want on the Grizzlies, but if they vetted all their options and they just come out with Dorian Finney-Smith and you know a couple other moves, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad. Dorian Finney-Smith has been shown to be a vet and a, a winning player, so you know, and you need more players that have done it in the playoffs because that's what it's about at this point. Like Grizz to me are going to win games in the regular season. It's about people that have shown and improving in the playoffs, um, or who can play in the playoffs. So, and I think Dorian Finney-Smith has obviously shown he can. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like what you said about him being able to kind of switch, if not one through four, like two through four, basically. And I think that's something that's very important because when you look at the other guys that they're going to have in the starting lineup, you know, whenever Ja comes back, we don't know how long, if there's going to be a suspension, whatever. We're still kind of in the dark on that. Uh, but we know that whenever you have him and then Bain, they have some defensive limitations. So you got to have a guy that's very versatile and I think that's the big that's going to be the biggest thing to replace when it become when it comes to Dylan is because he was able to if they're playing the Warriors he can guard Steph but if they're playing the Suns he can guard KD and finding another person who can do stuff like that is going to be very difficult and not to say that Dorian Finney-Smith can do that to the same level that Dylan did but I think he's somebody that can at least guard like twos threes and fours very well maybe not guard guards as well as Dylan can. I don't know if he necessarily has like the same kind of foot speed that I don't know, but I think that it would still be something that they, they would be able to get by with a guy like Dorian Finney Smith. If it came down to it, uh, another guy that I didn't want to talk about too is also on the nets from the Suns, but not Macau bridges. That's Cameron Johnson. And that it, it would be a little bit of an interesting pick pickup just because I think that he does fit the timeline. That's another thing. He fits the timeline very well. Uh, I think he's he, he was drafted the same year as Job, but he's kind of an older guy, so he's already like 27. But he's 
it feels like he's really starting to kind of hit his stride in the league and everything like that. And I think that based on the way that he played once he went to the Nets, you know, he was averaging over 16 a game, uh, shot the ball really well from three. And then looking back last year on the Suns, he was shooting 45% from three. And that's more of the role that he would be in, uh, would be more of kind of like what he did on the Suns and not really what he did on the Nets. Because on the Nets, he was basically like <laughs> their second third option at times you know what i mean because of the way that their their team was kind of set up after that trade but on this team i think as like a fourth option he could excel and i think that that's that's really what they need was just when you look at the lakers series they really just needed somebody who could knock down those shots uh and i think that a guy like cam johnson would would be good and then he's a solid defender as well on the other end uh, like I said, maybe not the same level of defender, but sometimes I feel like you, especially in the era that we're in now, it's okay to give up a little bit on defense if the offensive production is a positive. And I think with him, it definitely would be a positive. And I think it would just help the offense flow a lot better too. Yeah. Um, in terms of Cam Johnson, I mean, I think, like you said, to start out with the, I guess you could call it negatives. Uh, like you said, uh, with in terms of like you would be giving them more offense or more defense for offense, but I think again, it's shown that this, at least with the last couple teams or teams that have played before, like more times not even though you need point of attack defense, your rim protection is the main thing you need usually, or else it's just not going to. Or yes, you're putting your point of attack at more pressure, and when you have Jaron Jackson Jr., you can kind of not do whatever. But he's literally the defensive player of the year. And usually, like, anybody that plays with him, the lineups is good. Like, that's why, like, you can play Luke with Ja, Jaren, or Ja and Bane because you're probably playing him with Jaren, or Jaren as well. So, um, you got to, you know, so I think that would be able to work. And also, he's not short neither. He is 6'8". Like, he's a legit shooter that is tall. Like, n- no disrespect to, you know, who we have. But I'm big on we don't need any more shorter guys than, like, 6'5". We need guys that are, like, 6'7", 6'8" at that wing spot. If you're going to act, you need actual wings in this league. And not only that, that can make shots. And Cam fits the bill. Um, I will say he's not really, I mean, I mean, he's a decent rebounder, but he's not as good as a rebounder as Dorian Finney-Smith or OG and Anobi. But, I mean, with the, the shooting, I mean, the shooting's legit. He's been a shooter since he was in college. Like, he's 39% for his career. Playoffs, I'm pretty sure he shoots the ball well. Yeah, 42% from three in three postseasons. So, like, he's good. Like, he he's a legit shooter. Like, he'll make shots. Like, it's like Luke. Like, when we got Luke, I knew he was going to make shots. Like, at worst, he's going to make shots. And that's how I feel about Cam. Like, at worst, I know he's going to make shots. We'll figure out the defense and the lineups and all that later. But um, I will say the thing about him that could be tricky is he is a restricted free agent. So how that goes, you know, teams got to offer him and things of that nature. So it could be kind of harder to get him because of that. If he's unrestricted, then I think it would be a lot easier because you could do, like, possibly a signing trade or whatever, or you have the money to sign him outright. But, like, that I think it will make things difficult. But, I mean, if they were able to work something out, I would now wouldn't mind it. Because, again, he's going right into his prime, too. So that's a good thing. I will say another negative, too, is probably the knee injury he had. He had the meniscus tear, and he did come back from that really quickly. Now, it didn't seem to affect him when he came back because he obviously came back in, in Brooklyn. Like you said, he was basically like a second or third option, averaging like 16, 17 points. So, like, it wasn't too bad. So, but I'm always weary of – meniscus injuries that people come back from so quickly because that means they got the first surgery, which can hurt your short or 
which can hurt you in the long term if you come back too fast. But it doesn't seem like it hasn't. So, I mean, you would be, and he probably wouldn't be too much money neither. I mean, he'd be a lot of money, but not as much as you think. So, I don't think it'd be as big as a risk that, you know, most other teams would take or the Grizzlies would really take on. Like, it wouldn't be as big as what, you know, it could be at worst case scenario. So, yeah, no, I like Cam Johnson. I think he could be good for the team if they were um, able to get him. All right. I was like, do you have anybody else you want to talk about before we move on to the young guys? Or, oh, no, in terms because we'll touch on them when we get to the veterans, and so you know, I'm okay. good. Those are the really three, three, those are really the main three guys that um that I feel like everybody would really like on this team, and that we've already talked about. So yeah, no, those three are, are the top tier guys, at least in my opinion. Yeah, like, and that's what I think too. I think that's something that like th- those are the main candidates people have seen. Another guy that I have seen a little bit was Cal Kuzma. But I feel like that's very unlikely just because he's going to want a pretty big paycheck and he's already averaging over 20 a game. So he, he's going to want a pretty big paycheck. So I don't know if that's something that would be realistic. Uh, but moving on to the young guys or the young wings, as I'll say on this <laughs> on this graphic down here, is it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of navigate this. Because if they bring in somebody, it's not necessarily saying that they're giving up on the other guys. But you'll also have to see if it's if they get OG, they're gonna have to give up at least a couple of the young guys, whether that's Zaire, whether that's Roddy, whether it's Jake Laravia, which those are really the three guys that I'll focus on because those are the three people that I think have the highest chance of playing in terms of playing the three. And honestly, it's it, it's kind of difficult. It will be between Zaire and Roddy to see who I'll be the most confident in if. Yes. I, I really don't think that they should do this, but if they just say, forget it, uh, we can't trade for OG and they can't get anybody else and they do just roll into the season with these young guys, it's basically going to be Zaire versus Roddy to see who would be the starting small forward, in my opinion. I just don't think LaRavia, especially after the way that he was injured a lot of the year and didn't really get to play a lot, I just don't think he's going to be ready. Uh, but I think the Zaire, he, he started on a team that won 56 games. Now, I know that last year he was injured, and that puts – it makes it a little bit more difficult just because he did not have a good year too. And it does put you into a headspace of being like, well, which is the real Zaire? Is the one that you saw the rookie year who came in, played solid defense, knocked down shots, uh, seemed like he gained a lot of confidence – like going down the stretch of that season too? Or is it going to be the guy last year who obviously the injury had a big effect on him, but really just never made an impact on really the season as a whole? He It was just like once he got injured, at he got injured at the worst possible time and he just could never really get in the rhythm. Uh, but it's, it's going to be between him and then David Roddy, which I think that Roddy might be, the best out of the young guys they have at that position, just based on how he played last season. I think that he showed that like it, it is still going to be kind of tough for him if he's the starter. I still think he does. Like, I think all of these guys would be better as like a guy coming off the bench. But I think the thing, the thing with Roddy is he's shown the ability to put the ball on the floor and score in one-on-one situations. And he also has, an actual physical advantage of his size and being able to kind of bully people in the paint. 
and you know sometimes just go down and dunk on somebody like there's not a lot of people on the team that can do that so that's that, that that's, that's a big thing that i like uh that i like about roddy too uh he, he's he's more aggressive too he kind of has more of that kind of aggressive feel and i think that's that's something that zaire doesn't have and i think that if if he finds that that would be awesome but he just hasn't really shown that and I think it's going to be between those two, though, if you're talking about the young guys that are actually going to be playing. Uh, and if it does get to the season and they haven't picked up somebody, I really do feel like it will probably be Zaire or maybe Roddy that would be starting at small forward if they don't bring anybody in. Yeah. Um, I think the young guys is an interesting thing because it's like all of them are in the same boat in terms of I think they can all be good. But it's like, when will they be good? When will they be consistent? Because this team already has consistency issues with their best players. But they're on another level of different consistency by consistently being like a decent role role player. Um, and they've all had moments. Like, I know I know you said you weren't high on, in terms of Jake because of the health, which I think that's really the only thing. Because when he played the first month, because, again, I know most people won't believe this when I say this, but Jake LaRavia played 35 games this year. Uh, if you go, like, it, it doesn't seem like he did. But he definitely did play I, I still, I, I still don't think they're telling the truth on that because, uh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> he did a lot of us in the first month, but he did play thirty five games, and in those games, especially early on, without I think it was, I think those was against like the no Jaren, he showed a lot. Like he was making shots, or when he wanted to be aggressive, he had a high IQ. Obviously, again, six eight shooter. Um, so I think again, really for me, it's the health, not only with him but just everybody really. But I think Roddy's shown to be healthy. I think Roddy's shown the most out of the guys to be a, like a really good role player. The thing for me is I don't know how they view him, but they view him more as like a real wing wing or like they view him more as like a combo forward, like a P.J. Tucker power forward. Because I think that's really his role is I think at his best he could be a P.J. Tucker with more offense. Um, and so which would be a great player. That's a great rotation player, a great role player. Um, so because, again, Roddy is only like I think 6'4", six, 6'5". So, or I think he might be sixes, but either way, he's more on the shorter side for wings, even though he's a bigger body. Um, I think he's more on the shorter side for wings. So that would be kind of the thing that I would be interested to see if they start him even there. Um, but I mean, I think they had before, which I'm not, you know, like if they do. Okay. It means he must have made a leap. And also, again, for all of them, it's going to be about the shooting too. Cause I like you said, like he's been, um, you know, up and down in terms of not only his shooting, but just his, his health really like, and just his confidence. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for him is his confidence, but really like whoever really shoots the best out of them is going to be a big key in this too, because Roddy had a stretch where he was really good shooting the ball. But I mean, he only shot 31% on the year. That's the same as Zaire did his rookie season. So like, and so it's really going to be big on that because again, you can't have a situation where you had with Dylan Brooks and play a wing that's only shooting 29, 30% from three and like, low 40 from the field like they're just not gonna guard them you know what i mean and then we're talking about them and they might not offer the same level of defense so you know what i mean so it'll be tricky um but i think if you talk about who out of those young guys i mean like you said i probably agree be zaire just because we have a track record of him starting with the four guys because the thing about zaire is he's good with those guys because he's more of a connected type of role player like he doesn't need it like he'll take shots when he needs to he'll run the floor like he plays in the flow and that alone boosts your offense. When the player is playing in the flow of the offense and not really making the ball stick and knowing their role, 
it's going to make the offense flow, especially when your other three guys are already doing that as well. So that's why he plays so well with them in the starting group. Um, and so, yeah, I think I would like him. I think he'd probably be the candidate for that, but we just got to wait and see because, you know, is he going to stay healthy? Is his confidence not going to be shaken at this, you know, rough year too? Um, because, again, we saw him, like, again, like like you said, it's just like which one are we going to get? Is it going to be year one's out or is it going to be year two? And, you know, that's really a question that, you know, I like to see answered, you know. But, again, will they be on the roster? Because, again, if we do make a trade for, like, OG and an OB, one of them or two of them are going to be gone. So, like, it's just a lot of different questions, you know. But hopefully if we did keep them, which, I mean, there is a chance because there's everything's on the table. I mean, he'd probably be the guy, you know, that I say that would quote-unquote start or get another chance at it. Because, again, regardless of how you feel about who's better and whatnot, Zaire was the 10th pick in his draft. And so if you are a higher draft pick, you're just going to get more chances to show why they drafted you at that spot. So, you know, and they're not going to go away from somebody in year two when usually by year four or five is usually when you know what a player is or isn't. So they're not – and the Grizzlies are a team that – stresses patience and things of that nature and you know like i said last week progress is not linear so they're not you know they're not gonna rush it you know what i mean so they they would definitely give him another crack at it yeah and i think another thing that could be interesting to see is just because of the timing if they do make a trade like i think it would be interesting if they make a trade before summer league or like if they make like a draft night trade compared to if they wait a little bit longer because i i'm expecting zaire like Laravia and Roddy definitely are going to be in the summer league. And I'd say Zaire is probably going to be in summer league too. Uh, I think all three of those guys are going to be playing. And I think not to really say that's going to be like a tryout, but I think whoever plays the best out of those three in the summer league would be a leading candidate if they're still on the roster at the time, obviously. But if there's a trade or something like that, then maybe you only see one of those guys who got, got to stay. And I think that would be another thing would be to see if there is a trade or if there's a deal for a guy like OG out of those young guys, who is most likely to stay. And I think it's really going to come down to like what other teams value more than what the Grizzlies value, because out of those three, like maybe there's a team that values Zaire more than Roddy. There could be some teams out there that value Roddy more than Zaire. And I think that's really what's, what is going to come down to. Uh, but just based on if you're talking about like the Raptors, I'd say they'd probably want Zaire just because he fits what everybody on the team is. They like six nine, six ten dudes who can play defense and shoot. Uh, not to say that he's like a great shooter, but he, he fits the build of the type of guys that they have in Toronto. So I feel like that's the kind of guy that they would want. So out of anybody, I'd probably say they'd probably want Zaire first and then maybe Roddy and then Laravia. But I think the biggest thing is they're going to try not to give up Zaire and Roddy because they're still going to have to have one of those guys coming off the bench, regardless of who's starting. And I think that that's something that's going to be interesting to see how they really navigate that. But then if they don't make a trade and all three of those guys are going into the summer league, like it might literally be like whoever plays the best in the summer league is going to be the starting small forward like like th- that that's a very real possibility now i wouldn't necessarily want them to do that because i would much rather them find a replacement than stick with the young guys but based on what we've seen from the grizzlies organization the last couple of years i would not be surprised if they decide to just stick with what they've been doing and stick with the young guys and just 
hope that they get better and hope that they can replace what Dylan did. Uh, but it, it's really it, that's really going to be the biggest conversation the entire offseason. As you can see, we just spent like 30 minutes about it. But that, that's going to be the biggest question is, are they going to bring somebody in? Are they going to re- rely on the development? I think they're probably going to bring someone in. Now, whether it's somebody to be a starter or whether it's somebody else to just kind of be another bench player and then they rely on one of those guys, like that's another possibility. Maybe instead of getting the guy that you think you can start, you go and get a bench wing or maybe like, I know we talked about maybe like Otto Porter Jr. before we got on here and like something like that where he could start, but he could also be like a bench guy to kind of back back up one of the young guys. And then it's also like insurance if you stick with Zaire and Zaire is not playing well, or you go with Roddy and Roddy doesn't play well. It's kind of like you have that insurance. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. But if it was up to me, I'd say go out and get somebody who can start at the three and then just go from there. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think that's really what it is. Like perfect world for them, or I wouldn't say perfect, but middle ground would be you get Dorian Finney-Smith and then you throw him in the starting lineup. And then because you probably, if you have to give up one, you still have either two of three of the guys we just mentioned, and you wouldn't really lose much anyway, neither. Like, you know what I mean? Like you still have a contingency plan if Dorian Finney-Smith got hurt. It also give those times the guys to develop. Like, they wouldn't have to get thrown right to the starting lineup. They'd just be fighting for more rotation minutes. You know what I mean? And so um, I think that would probably be the best thing. But I do agree. Like, you got to trade for the guy at this point. Because I'm not saying they got to be, like, again, they don't have to be a superstar. But just somebody more proven at this point. You know what I mean? Because, again, young players, no disrespect to them, they just take time to get better or to be really good. And – consistent like it's just what it is even our best players have shown their inconsistencies in the playoffs and just in regular season it takes time it it, it doesn't happen overnight like I keep saying y'all gonna get tired of me I sound like a broken record saying it but just it doesn't it's a process all of it's a process so um I would hope that they would just go out and trade which I and again I think that's what they'll do they'll try to be aggressive like Zach said they'll be aggressive and trying to trade and then if they have to do like the options we're talking about which give good young guys more minutes than they will. But I don't think they'll just – that'll be their first plan of action. I think they'll vet all their options first before they do um, this. This is like a worst-case scenario type of thing or like lower on their lower tier of their list of, you know, things to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think this kind of goes into the last thing that we're going to talk about before we move on. There was a lot of people were asking the question. And I think it's really just because of both on and off the court stuff is do the Grizzlies need more veterans in the locker room, just overall? And I'd say probably, like, maybe they need another guy. I know that they have Steven Adams, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens with him now because it's been really weird about the injury stuff. We don't really know how long he's going to be out. Expecting him to be back at the beginning of the season, but don't know if he's really going to be there to kind of be that steady veteran presence But you really saw, like, last year, once he was out, a lot of it was because of his rebounding. But it also kind of felt like even when he was on the bench, it's just like he couldn't affect the game as much. I feel like everybody was just more comfortable when he was out there. And I think especially Ja was more comfortable when Steven Steven Adams was out there uh, because he just does all the little stuff that you need to win games. And I think that's really the big thing that they need is they need guys who – know what it really takes to 
win playoff games and guys that have been there before. And that's why I talked about a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith. And I think that's why a guy like Steven Adams, who is just now turning 30, but this is a dude that's played on Western Conference Finals games. This is a dude who has been on deep, deep playoff run teams and teams that have gone to the playoffs consistently. And he knows what it takes to make a deep run. And a lot of the guys on the team that they have really don't know that. And that's another reason why I think like bringing in a guy like Luke Kennard was something that was, you know, it was a good sign too because he was on a Western Conference Finals team on the Clippers. Like he he's a guy that has proven that he can do that in the postseason. And I know that he had it was kind of up and down in the postseason this year. When he did play, he was really good, but his minutes weren't really consistent. So that was really it was really kind of hard to evaluate that. But I think that having him is going to help having him for a whole offseason. That's another guy that's a more veteran guy. And then I also think that the the players that you're building around are starting to become veterans. You know, like Jaron is getting to the point to where, like we talked about Dorian Finney-Smith just finishes sixth year. Like we're about to be in year six of Jaron. Like this is a dude that's been playing since 2018. So like, He's getting to the point to where he's almost considered a veteran. It's just crazy. It's just crazy that he got drafted when he was still 18 years old. Like, that's what just throws everything off. Because you still think, oh, he was one of the youngest defensive players of the year in the history of the NBA. And he was already in year five. It's like, that's not normal stuff. So that's another thing I look at is like, you know, some of their other players are kind of reaching the age where they really need to be the leader. So I look at Jaron and I also look at Desmond Bain too. Even though he was drafted after both John and Jaron, uh, he's a little bit older. You know, he stayed all four years in college. So I think he's another guy that could be kind of like a leadership role. But I do think they need to bring in at least one more like veteran presence and somebody that can really keep keep the guy straight, especially like on the road. Because I know they talked about that was an issue, people going out on the road last year and everything like that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if – and it's, it's kind of like a weird thing because I don't really want to say that should be somebody's responsibility because it really shouldn't have to be. But it gets to the point to where they're going to have to bring somebody in that will do it. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing with this. It's tricky. Um, like you said, to start off with the – or in terms of the veteran or the leadership roles you were talking about with Ja and Jaron or Jaron and Bain and all them. I think Bain was like the biggest dude in that Bain and Jaron, I think obviously as the season starts, cause there'll be no job, even though he'll be, I mean, he'll be on the team obviously, but I don't think he'll, you know, when you're suspended, you won't be around the team and all that and stuff like that. He's already, so he won't be around. So really it'd be Jaron and Bain right now to really men for the leadership. But that's why they said, during the exit interviews, like they're putting those guys in the clear leadership roles, like people are going to look towards them. So I think that's going to make them in a sense, step up and grow as leaders. Now, now that you have that established. Um, but even in spite of that, you still need more better robots. Cause like a guy that I feel like, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not to do this saying we, you know, cause there's been talks about, you know, all season was like, do the Grizzlies miss Kyle Anderson and D'Anthony Melton? And I'm no, I mean, you, if you don't, you trade Melton, you still end up getting Luke and Roddy like I'm still cool with that now maybe the Kyle thing you could argue because what I'm about to say with Kyle is he was a vet guy like he was a guy that like another dude who played with the San Antonio Spurs one of the best organizations to you know in the league he learned from 
Tony and Manu and Tim and he was playing Kawhi. Like he played with a lot of people. And I remember even Bane, I think even talking about it when he left, like he's like, that's one of his vet, like one of the vet guys that taught him how to be in the league. And now you can see, I'm not gonna say you can see it, but I'm pretty sure that's what how you know some of the stuff that Kyle did, Bane has taken into his own leadership style, whatever, how it's gonna be, and he's gonna use it um as a leader of this team now. So I think it is is gonna help, especially when you still got guys that are Young in the sense of, you know, your rotation guys like Asante, Roddy, and all them, but also just your top guys are younger too. So again, that's not. I'm not saying you got to give ten bets and be the oldest team in the league, but I mean, I wouldn't. You know, like you said, like last year was a perfect. I feel like not this year, but the year before was a good balance of vets and young guys, and I think they're going to try to get back to that instead of tripling down on youth because that's basically what Zach said. He said, should we really triple down on youth? Should we just kept not kept. Melton and Kyle, but could we have tried to replace them then with other veteran presences instead of, you know, having, you know, rookies just run around and you know what I mean? And having rookies just to give them time. So, I mean, yeah, they, I think they could get some more vets. I mean, personally, some names I'll name real quick is like Alec Burks in Detroit. I would like him. I mean, I guess you could say DiVincenzo's a vet. Not really, but I mean, he's a guy that's been in the league about to be year six, year seven. Dorian Finney-Smith, another one, Otto Porter Jr. Like those are names that I would like on this team. Because they not only fit the vet role, but they fit the play style of this team and what they would need at those spots that I have talked about replacing. Because I think there's three spots on this team that kind of need to be replaced. And that's really it. Not saying that's the only thing that can improve the roster, but if you get three spots replaced, in my opinion, um, I think you everything else will take care of itself. Like, I think there'll be a drastic improvement. And I think one of those spots has to, I, or should be a guy that's like a vet um, in that way. Because I think, um, you know, they've been proven. They know how NBA season goes. And I think that type of stuff just benefits your team. Like, we saw it. Like, they didn't win 56 games for no reason. Like, the, the Kyle and Melton did play a part in that. Um, and, again, if they were more healthier this year and things of that nature, then they wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have been as big as a conversation if we missed them. But now that they did, you know, people have the conversation. So it, it, it happens. But, I mean, I think just in general they need more veterans and guys just because – you know, you need guys that have been there. I mean, we looking at teams that are in that have, you know, lasted so long in this playoff. Like they got at least three, four veteran guys on their roster. You know, you know what I mean. Like you go down Denver's lineup. Like they even though they had Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic and all them for like I think six or seven years. I mean, you know, KCP's a guy that's won a championship. Bruce Brown's been a guy that's been proven to play. Like they got Jeff Green. Like they got guys that played. And then you go to Miami. You know, they got guys like Kyle Lowry. Kevin Love, like they got guys that have played. So, you know, I think it, it does matter. There is value in it. Like I know people don't want to acknowledge it sometimes, but there is value in having guys that have been in those moments. Like it's just always it, history of the league shows it. So, um, yeah, I definitely want to see them get more veterans. But, again, I don't want them to go overboard. Like don't overhaul your roster, but find a good perfect medium and young guys that you still got and also um, veteran guys that can play and help this team now. So, I think they will. I think they'll figure it out, you know, a good balance of it and get back to what they were um, the previous season before this one we just had. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, and let's, like you said, nobody's saying that the Grizzlies need to go out and it's like, oh, we're going to sign Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, Jay Crowder. Like, we just going to go through and we're going to sign a bunch of dudes that are 34, 35. Like, that's not what is going to happen. They're not going to do that. And I think even if it's a vet guy who, and it's like really compared to the guys that are on the team, even if the dude is like 28, 29, like that's basically like a vet to like, it's really crazy to think because I know we always talk about it. Like the team as a whole, is just young. 
So even if it's a guy who's only 28 or 29 who has played in those kind of situations, like I think it would just be something that's good. And I think you saw that really in the playoffs is they had a lot of guys who had never really played on that stage before. And it's and like I said, it's not their fault. Like Roddy and Santi Aldama, both of those guys who, you know, Santi had a really like that last game. He was really the only guy who played really well. So I'll give him credit for that. But just throughout the series, you could tell that, you know, they had never really been there before. And it it's something that kind of shook them up a little bit. But I think that it'll help them going forward. I think that's another thing is the guys that were rookies this year and the guy like especially Roddy and then Aldama, even though I know he was in the second year, basically kind of felt like he was a rookie because he didn't really play much his first year. But it, his he it was basically his first year playing consistently. And I think that going to the playoffs and then kind of seeing like what that was like, then having an offseason and coming back is going to help them. But I think it would help them more if they get it, if they bring in a veteran guy as well, because it's not only something that will help the team. It's something that will help the young players, too, that we're talking about. Whereas if they bring in like we talked about Dorian Finney-Smith, you bring him in and you end up keeping Roddy, that's somebody that can help him navigate like his role and stuff like that based on what he's done in other places. And I think that just having veterans like that to kind of like lean on is something that this team is really the only thing this team's been missing, like since the kind of new regime took over and the rebuild happened. But I mean, it makes sense. They haven't really switched their mindset yet to be in more of like a contending level team, I don't think. And I think that's really going to be like, if they do go after more veterans, you're going to see that that's them kind of switching their mindset. Yeah, I think that's the thing. They, It's just a, a mindset tweak because, again, I always say they don't have to – just because you have a year that didn't go your way or you didn't have the same progress you did the last two years doesn't mean you got to switch up the whole process. You should never do that. That's that's panicking in my opinion. Like, same thing with the, even the suspension with Ja. Like, you should still move the same way you were going to move regardless. Like, you can't panic. You got to move. Your plans got – now, certain things can change your plans, but overall you still can work the same way regardless of what's transpired in the last few months, whether that's the first round exit or the job suspension. Like, you still can operate the same way you are going to plan on operating if you advanced or, you know, John didn't get suspended. Like, it, you still operate the same way. You have to. Um, or else you're just going to push yourself back. Um and you know you're gonna then be in a comfortable spot, like or do something you comfortable been doing. And I mean, it gives you good results, but does it give you the ultimate result that you continue to talk about, which is a championship? And so, um, I think they'll 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 make the tweaks that they need to do. Um, I'm really not that worried or concerned about it. Like, I mean, I I, I mean they've shown to know when they've made their wrongs and be able to adjust, even though they haven't done that much. But they've done it. They've done it. Like I've seen it over the past four years. Like we got a good track record. Like. I think the loop move should – I'm not going to say it should be the only thing that tells you everything, but it should be a good indicator that they're not going to just do the same thing that they've been doing the last. Because they, if, to put in perspective, they didn't make a trade deadline move before loop for like two seasons. So, like, they obviously did it for a reason. And now now that something else has happened in transport, like, they're going to – I feel like they're going to do something. Like, I'd just be very surprised if they didn't do anything. Like, and I'm not saying the roster is going to be completely different, but – there will definitely be some new faces on this team. I would think. I'd bet on it. I'd bet on them being, being, you know, some new faces on this team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question about that. 
But as always, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. We'll be back, as always, with more Grizzlies news, keeping an eye on everything that's going on, and also probably talking about some more draft stuff coming up, too, uh, as that's really only a few weeks away now that we're getting into the NBA Finals. But as always, I'm your host, Bryson, and my co-host, Alex Winton. We will see y'all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like and a comment wherever you download your podcasts. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co where you will find comprehensive coverage of all things Memphis sports and how you can become an insider. We'll see you back here next time.